Good morning all. I have told you over and over again how much I love coming here and having the privilege of preaching here. I am particularly grateful today to be preaching anywhere, but especially to be in this place where I feel so much at home. Why am I so thrilled to be able to preach today? Well, on the 25th of June... 1960 I was ordained to the Christian ministry and set apart as the pastor of Govan Baptist Church and while other pastors were laying hands on me and praying for me I wasn't hearing particularly what they were praying I was hearing rather the whisper of the Lord Jesus in my own mind and heart saying in the words of Jesus from John 15 you have not chosen me but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit fruit that would remain and it's marvellous to be still able to preach 57 years later so thank you Father thank you now 11 years after I began my ministry in Govan we had a massive fire and lost our church building. We were dismayed because we just spent money improving the building and here it was in ruins. What are you doing, Lord? What's going on here? And the Lord at that point in time gave us a word which we treasured very much and which was confirmed over and over again in the months and years that followed. And that word is found in Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, where the prophet writes, The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will grant peace, I will give shalom, declares the Lord Almighty. And this morning we've been singing and asking the Lord to fill this place with glory. And we had good times. The Lord was specially gracious to us in the light of what had happened to us with the fire. We had good times of blessing. And the Lord fulfilled this promise over and over again. That people found peace. They found shalom in our church family and fellowship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Ever true. Unchangeable and unchanged. We thank you for your desire to speak to us. You know we need to hear from you. And we ask that by your Holy Spirit we may hear from you this morning. Please guide me as I speak, Lord Father, and give us all the ability to respond with faith to whatever you say to us. In Jesus' name. A friend of mine, knowing that I was going to preach on this passage this morning, phoned me yesterday evening and shared with me the most amazing prophetic word, a lengthy prophetic word, which had come out of South Africa. And that word was prophesying that in these days, wait for it, the Lord is going to stir up and gather together considerable numbers of elderly people, elderly people, to be mightily used by him. 
And in that very context of that prophetic word, these words occurred, the glory of the present house will be greater than the glory in the old one. Isn't that amazing? You see, as we look into the word of God, we discover that God wants to bless people. Now we're going to take time to read Haggai chapter 1 and go on into chapter 2 to get the whole part of this story to understand better what the Lord is saying. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, that was in the year 520 BC, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord of hosts says. These people are saying, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, it is a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin. Now this is what the Lord of hosts says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but have harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord of hosts says, Give careful thought to your ways, go up to the mountains, bring down timber, and build a house, that I may take pleasure in it, and be honoured, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. How amazing is that? What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord. Because of my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains and the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle and the neighbor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the whole remnant of the people, people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and they began to work on the house of the Lord in the 24th day of the 6th month in the 2nd year of King Darius. On the 21st day of the 7th month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, speak to Zerubbabel and to Joshua and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing, but now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord, be strong, O Joshua, be strong, all you people of the land, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord of hosts says, In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, 
saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place I will grant peace. I will give shalom, declares the Lord Almighty. It is in the heart of God to bless human beings. He loves to bless human beings. What do we find in Genesis chapter 1? We're told that God made man in his own image. Male and female he made them. And the first thing we're told God did was God blessed them. And said be fruitful and multiply. God blessed them. We go on to the Bible and we find different places where we read about God blessing people for a variety of reasons. I want to just refer to one of them. Malachi chapter 3. Some of you will be familiar with it. It's a verse that is very, very challenging and carries an enormous promise with it. It's in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. The Lord says to the people of Israel, Bring the whole tithe, that's one-tenth of your income, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. It's sobering to realize that what we do with our money affects the measure of blessing we get from God. Now we're not paying for it, we're not buying it. It's a question of obedience versus disobedience. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Quite a challenge. Some of you perhaps are a bit uncomfortable at this point. Let's have a look at different things in this passage we've read. It refers to a particular place where the blessing of the Lord will be revealed. The verse that I shared with you from way back 1971, the verse that says the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former and so on. The place where it will be revealed. Now God's blessing is revealed all over the world. But there are different situations, different places where his blessing is especially revealed. The Lord is sovereign. He's entitled to choose where and when and how he pours out his blessing. Now do remember that they are building a temple because the first temple built by Solomon had been destroyed by Sennacherib and the, the, his Babylonian people and all the important buildings in Jerusalem were burned to the ground the whole walls were pulled down and the Israelites were in for a very, very long exile in the land of Babylon. It was a picture of sheer dereliction. And then things changed and one by one, or two by two, or rather they pick a numbers, the Israelites were allowed back into their own land. And at this point, you see, the call came to build the new temple. A start had been made, but they were getting a bit weary and said, well, maybe it's not time to do this. And here is the Lord challenging them and promising that his blessing will include his presence. His presence. The Hebrew word for glory is kabod. And it literally means weight or heaviness. And when you lower a heavy weight into a bath full of water, the water overflows. It is displaced to make way for the new thing that has come into it. Because it's heavier. And that's what the glory of God is. The glory of God coming in power upon and amongst his people and pushing aside, as it were, everything else that's trivial or for the moment to be not relevant, not important anymore. We'll think about that later. 
In Zechariah chapter 2, verse 5, Zechariah was a contemporary of Haggai's. Two prophets working together to stir up the builders and get the building of that new temple underway. And in that chapter 2, verse 5 of Zechariah, the Lord is saying that he himself will be a wall of fire around the city and he will be its glory within. If we go over to the Old Testament and think of Second Chronicles chapter 5, we read there of what happened when the ark was brought into the, te- the first temple, Solomon's temple. When the ark, a symbol of God's presence, was brought into the temple, there was a great celebration of worship, an incredible worship. Singers, musicians, 120 priests sounding the trumpets. What a massive sound that must have made. And the people were raising their voices and they were praising the Lord and they were singing, He is good for His love and yours forever. Then something happened. It wasn't a normal experience. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. I find it rather amazing that that level of divine presence was so powerful that everything had to stop. Everything was silenced as the Lord's presence filled that place. The glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Now in my preaching experience I have been disturbed by a heckler but I've never been disturbed by an invasion of God's glory at that level. You know, I wonder why not. Why does God in our day not appear in such enormously powerful presence that we just, everything shuts down. There is silence. People are absolutely stunned in a sense by the mighty manifestation of the presence of God. And the presence of God, of course, brings the blessing of God. And this word shalom in Hebrew Translated peace in our Bibles, it's not really a very good translation. There is no one English word translates the Hebrew word shalom. Because shalom covers every area of life. The best we can get to translate the word shalom is the word completeness. Completeness. Completeness mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, socially. Just the whole of life being changed into an experience of wonderful completeness. Nothing wrong, nothing short. Perfection, if you like. His presence and his provision. There's a little verse in Isaiah 26, verse 3. What I love coming back to this again and again because it says something, I think, very important for us and for the Lord. 26, verse 3 of Isaiah. Isaiah has just begun that part by saying in that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. He's saying there's going to be a special song sung one day in the land of Judah. Begins addressed, the words addressed to the Lord, um, or about the Lord, we have a strong city. And then the words, these words are addressed to the Lord by his people. You, Lord, will keep in perfect peace, in shalom, shalom, that's how they write it in Hebrew, double peace. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. An alternative translation, legitimate, could read, the person whose imagination stops at you. 
God has given us this wonderful gift of imagination and sadly we tend to abuse it sometimes. We allow our imaginations to run riot and if they run riot too much in the wrong direction we find ourselves sinning. Mm, you know what I mean. But you see our imagination when it stops at Jesus is focused on Jesus when he remains central in our imagination. We can use imagination to visualize what's not yet happened. Ah, yes. We just visualize the blessing of God being poured out in great measure. A real outpouring of the presence of the living God in our midst. A particular place though, a particular place where this would be revealed. It was promised through the prophet Haggai and it happened after a time. The glory of the Lord appeared in the Lord's house. I would love to experience that. Are you hungry for that blessing? Now do remember, in the Old Testament, the temple is always a building. A building of stone and timber. But in the New Testament, that all changes. And in the New Testament, the temple is never a building. It is a people. And you remember Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said to them, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Each of us is individually. Our body is a temple in which the Lord lives by his spirit. But when we come together, as we're here together this morning, our coming together forms a bigger temple, a larger entity. And God's Spirit dwells even more richly among us. When we're not just one, but when we're a company of believers. A temple in which God lives by His Spirit. Alright, a particular place where the blessing of the Lord, His presence and His provision will be revealed. It's got to happen somewhere if it's going to happen at all. So Lord, why not here? Why not here in this place? Where your people are so open to you and long for you, come, come, O God. Secondly, a particular day is referred to when the blessing will be restored. We didn't read right on to the end of chapter 2, but there in chapter 2, verse 19, there's a word which says, From this day on, I will bless you. Now we're talking not about this place, but we're talking about this day, a particular date and time. From this day on, I will bless you. And that day would be prepared for by revelation. The Lord is saying, it's on my calendar, it's in my diary. I've got it planned. And one day, this blessing will break forth amongst you. From this day on, I will bless you. Of course, what particularly initiated the blessing at this whole time in the Israelites' history was they moved fairly quickly, within a month, from disobedience. Oh no, it's not time to build the Lord's house yet. To obedience, which involved them all, the leaders and the people, all of them, sensed this call to obedience. And they obeyed, and the blessing came. A day prepared for by revelation. Do you notice that in this book of Haggai, no less than 15 times, the Lord is called the Lord of hosts. Now it's very unfortunate 
that the NIV has dropped that expression and translates instead the Lord Almighty. Well, of course, he is the Lord Almighty, but there's a different word for that. But the Lord of hosts depicts the Lord as Lord over the armies of heaven and of earth. Lord of angels and of men. That's who he is, the Lord of hosts. And we need to get a revelation of that, how great he is, how great he is. Oh, yes. If we go back to Second Kings for a minute, and we get an example of something amazing that happened way back then. You see, here we are seeing amazing things in the Old Testament. Things we don't read about in the same way in the New Testament. Second Kings chapter 6. The Israelites are being attacked by the Arameans. And the Arameans are getting a bit fed up with the prophet Elisha telling the Israelites what areas to avoid because he knows supernaturally where they are even though they can't be seen and one morning Elisha's servant gets up and looks out to see what's happening outside that morning and when he looked out in the morning he saw to his great dismay an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city oh my lord he said what shall we do I think Elisha laughed at that point don't be afraid the prophet answered those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around. What chance did the Arameans have? The Lord marshaled his army. He is the Lord of hosts. New Testament equivalent in 1 John chapter 4 verse 4 says, Greater is he who is in us the Christians than he who is in the world. Yes, the evil one is strong, and extremely strong, extremely vile and aggressive and seeking to do harm right, left and centre, especially the Christians. But God is stronger and this God by his spirit is already in us. And any time the power can be increased and we have authority in Jesus' name, because we're born again and part of the family of God. And Paul tells the Christians in Rome, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. A day prepared for by revelation. That's why it's important to keep on listening to God. What do you want to reveal to me today, Lord? Oh, whether we come together like this or whether we're at home or alone, what do you want me to hear and receive and understand from you, Lord? For example, that prophetic word, that has been circulating in South Africa. When I heard that last night, I was amazed and thrilled, and I remembered, I think I'm remembering correctly, that the move of the Spirit, which was labelled as the charismatic renewal, started way back in about the 1960s, and if I'm not mistaken, it started in South Africa. And here is a prophecy coming from South Africa to the UK of what the Lord plans to do in these coming days. A day prepared for by revelation, and a day preceded by repentance. We've seen already when the Lord's message came powerfully to the prophet Haggai, the people knew they'd better sit up and take notice and go into action as quickly as possible. And they did. They repented of their slothfulness, their laziness, their procrastination. A day prepared for by repentance. And so we remember the New Testament, and we talked about it four weeks ago, I think. The New Testament when our Lord Jesus himself began to preach. What was it he said? He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. The kingly power of God is about to break in on you. 
Repent. Seek to get right with God because He's on His way. He's coming. He wants to do things. Ah, yes. A particular day when this blessing will be restored. A day prepared for by revelation. And a day preceded by repentance. Remember last month, four weeks ago, we are talking about the man in Africa who signed his letters always, he was always repenting and rejoicing. We've got to go on repenting to the end of our lives, brethren. Not just when we're getting converted, but right the way through. Third point. A particular place where it will be revealed, the blessing of God, a particular day when it will be restored, and finally, a particular person through whom it will be released. We've read already about Zerubbabel, who was the governor, and Joshua, who was the high priest, or the high son of the high priest. Um, we read about these leaders, and at the end of chapter 2, we find that there's a special word for Zerubbabel. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month, tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I will shake the heavens and the earth, I'll overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. And that, by the way, was already said earlier on in chapter 1. And that passage in chapter 1 is quoted, you may remember, in Hebrews chapter 12. It's New Testament stuff as well as Old Testament stuff. And I believe, and perhaps you also believe, that we're seeing it happening today. Today, the world is in turmoil. Now Satan is powerfully active, and no doubt about that. But God is allowing him to do it. Oh, God has the power to stop it, but he's not stopping it. Nations are in turmoil. Lots of lots of lives are being destroyed. Places ruined. Syria is an absolute disaster. And the Lord, I believe, is already underway shaking the heavens and the earth. And the earth. We're living in that day, I believe. And here is this man's Zerubbabel was told by the Lord through Haggai. On that day declares the Lord, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, and I will make you my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. A signet ring, symbol of authority. Hmm. Particular person through whom the blessing would be released. A person directed by the word of God. But here is Zerubbabel, it's a bit of a mouthful that, being told in advance, you know, God has got something very special for you to do. He's put you in leadership as governor, but you're going to become more than a governor. You're going to become a leader among the people of God. I will make you like my signet ring. I will take you, Zerubbabel. I have chosen you, declares the Lord. So he's hearing the word of God and that's giving him a whole new vision of a new dimension of life for him in the future. Think of the Apostle Peter, trained to be a fisherman, earning his living fishing, Sea of Galilee. And one day Jesus comes along and asks Peter if he can borrow his boat while he's preaching to the crowds. So he goes on board the boat and stands on the boat and preaches to the folk on the shore. And after a while he says to Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep for a catch of fish. And Peter says in effect, oh no, we fished all night and we didn't catch a single thing. But because you say so, I'll go. And out they go, of course, you know the story. 
the lower nets and they cannot handle the catch of fish. The nets are beginning to break. It's a super duper catch of fish. And Peter becomes very uncomfortable. So uncomfortable he says to the Lord, Go away, Lord. Go away. Please go away. I'm a sinful man. He senses the almighty power of the Lord Jesus. And he feels unfit for his company. And Peter hears the Lord Jesus say to him, Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to start catching men. You've got a new dimension to your life, Peter. You're good at catching fish usually. But I'm taking you away from catching fish because you're going to become one of my leading servants, catching human beings. The Lord took me away from my desire to be a farmer. He said, no, Sandy, that's not the way. You'll be a preacher instead. You'll be a pastor instead. And thankfully he helped me to obey him. A person directed by the word of God. And it helps us to smarten up sometimes in the way we live and the way we behave and the way we study the word of God, the way we pray. It helps us to kind of sharpen up a bit if we sense that the Lord really, really, really has something significant for us to do individually. It's not just leaders. It's all of us. Something special that he wants to accomplish to you. We used to sing a hymn long ago which included the words, there's a work for Jesus only you can do. And I used to think, that's just rubbish, it's rubbish, rubbish. There's lots of other people who could do this better than me. Oh, rubbish. And then the Lord showed me it wasn't rubbish at all. Because we, each one of us is unique. Each one of you is specially gifted to do certain things. And there are some people that you will reach that I will never reach. And so on. We each have a special calling. But leadership particularly is important, especially when God is moving powerfully and the church is being blessed. Because you can be pretty sure that the devil will not be far away trying to upset the apple cart. One more scripture and we're through. I love this story in the Old Testament. It's real Sunday school stuff, at least it used to be. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. The story of... David and Goliath. Most of you will know it, I think, that the, the Israelites were at war with the Philistines and the Philistines were challenging the Israelites to battle. And the battle was really at a kind of, it's kind of stalled, things had stalled, they were kind of at a standstill for the time being. And David, who became king after Saul, had older brothers two of whom were fighting in the army. And Dad said to him one day, take some, take some food down, and go and visit the army in the front line and see how these guys are getting on and, and come back and report. So off goes young David, a teenager, to visit his brothers uh, who were facing the Philistine army. And he goes down and he finds this panic among the Israelites. Because Elijah, not Elijah, Goliath, is challenging He's saying, send just one of your guys, just send one of your guys, you Israelites, one of your guys out here, and we'll have a fight. If I win, you come and be your servants. If you win, we'll come and be your servants. Of course, they were dead scared to do anything, absolutely petrified. A young David, teenager, comes along and says, what's all the fuss about? What's all the fuss about? I'll go and fight him. 
And of course his brothers kind of mock him and I think he's just a silly young guy who shouldn't be saying say things like that. And Saul's first to get him to kid it out with his uniform. And David said, I can't wear that lot. Couldn't move with that lot on. Um, so David takes his sling, which he was in the habit of using to kill animals who were threading his sheep. He takes his sling and he selects some stones from the bottom and out he goes out to face Elijah. Well, what happens? David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Teenager. Teenager versus giant. Hmm. Today I will give the carcasses and so on. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. What does that do to your spirit when you hear that? It does something to mine. The whole of the UK does not know who Jesus is. The whole of the UK does not know that the people of God, the people who are in touch with God, who are alive in God and Jesus Christ, are the most powerful people in the country. Although we don't realize it most of the time. But here's a statement saying the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. I want the whole UK to know that Jesus is alive and is saving sinners and building his church and doing the most glorious thing. Don't you want to know that? I want the world to know that. So, in the battle. And all those gathered here, says, says David, will know that it's not by sword or spear the Lord saves. The battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. And so he runs and takes his sling and slings a stone and hits the giant right in the forehead. It must have been some sling and some power behind the sling because it knocked him to the ground. And David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. End of Goliath. How come, how come, this young teenager, he wasn't a seasoned soldier with 20 years service knowing how to fight, no, he was a teenager looking after sheep. How come this young guy was able to slaughter that giant? Well, the answer is in chapter 16. Because back in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, we're told that one day the prophet Samuel was told by the Lord he was to go to the home of a man called Jesse and anoint one of his sons to be the next king in succession to King Saul. So Jesse receives Samuel and uh, he parades his seven eldest sons in front of Samuel and Samuel says, no, 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 not that one, not that one, not that one. <coughs> And then he says, are these all the sons you've got? And Jesse says, well, no, I've got one eighth son. He's looking after the sheep. He's out looking after the sheep. Bring him in. So David is brought in. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel takes the horn of oil and anoints David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, from that very day on, the Spirit of the Lord came on David in power. Oh, 
a teenager and yet already he's experiencing a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit and he becomes the king yes he makes mistakes yes he sins yes he gets things wrong but he achieved so much because he lived from that day on under the anointing of the Holy Spirit some Christians I don't think believe what they're reading when they read in 1 John John writing to Christians and saying you have an anointing from the Holy One you have you have you have you have an anointing from the Holy One we don't feel any different perhaps we don't look any different perhaps but once we are born again of water and the Spirit the Spirit of God is in our life and the Spirit of God moreover is on our life <laughs> and if we're baptized in the Spirit He's all around our life oh it's great it's wonderful it's marvelous to be however frail however aged as I am to know that spiritually we're powerful people don't mess with us we're powerful people we have an anointing from the Holy One I don't know what the Lord is saying to you today but I had thought in previous visits years ago even to bring this word to you from Haggai but I felt the Lord saying no, 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 don't do it, don't do it but in preparing for this visit I felt the Lord saying this is the time to do it Haggai chapter 2 verse 9 the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former in this place I will give shalom would you like to experience it if you're already you're here because you've experienced shalom in one form or another and the great shalom of course is being saved from our sins and having new life in Jesus and the Lord just longs to bless us more and more and more. Trouble is we're very often too busy doing other things. But the Lord wants to bless this fellowship. This fellowship is special. I have visited many churches. But there's something very, very special about this fellowship here in Wilkesburg. You're a privileged people. But with privilege comes responsibility. And I want to encourage you. Who knows, this may be the last time I will speak to you. I want to encourage you. Be completely surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and seek to live day by day under the anointing of the Spirit of God and see what God will do. In this place, he says, I will give shalom. Let's pray. Father, as we've heard you speak to us this morning, we realize afresh just how amazing you are. Your ways are past our understanding or finding out. You're a sovereign God. You don't ask permission to do anything. You don't consult any to advise you. You are the Almighty One. And we thank you that you care deeply for us. You see us in our frailty, in our human weakness, in our physical weakness. You see us, Lord, as we are. And you realize that we can be always improved one way or another. And we thank you that you're at work on that even now. 
And we pray, Lord, that you will enlarge our vision and increase our faith. And I pray particularly, Father, for this little fellowship here, New Beginnings. I thank you for leading your people to give that name to this company of believers. What name could possibly be better than that? And I'm asking that despite the blessing they've already received, you will multiply that over and over and over again. New beginnings, again and again and again. For your glory. That those in this community and far beyond it will know in Milton of Campsie, in Kirkintilloch, yes, and especially in Moodysburg, there is a God who loves people and who saves them and who makes them mighty for Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen.